you are in the perfect place at the divine time to be touched by a horse. Here's your hosts, Melissa Pierce and Dane Cheek. Hi, everybody. It's Melissa, and I don't have Dane with me today. Instead, I have one of my fabulous graduates for an interview, Myra Heckenleibel-Gatto. Good morning, Myra. Thanks for joining me. Good morning, Melissa. Thank you for having me. You bet. So I know in Denver, it's gone from 70 last week into the 40s. We're back up in the 70s, just kind of up and down, up and down. And you are from Minnesota. So what's your weather there now? Well, right now it's about in the 30s, but we've bounced around. It's going to be 40s and 50s next week, and it'll go back down to 20s. So it's an interesting time right now. And so it bounces around in the fall there too, right? That's great. Yes. So you're in a small town that you guys have relocated to that is near Alexander, Minnesota, or as you told me, West Central Minnesota. And we want people to know how to find you. And also as you're listening to this, if you're interested in her website, I'd highly advise looking at her website. It's very fun, very unique, very informative crossinglifesbridges.com and that is with an s so crossinglifesbridges.com and that's where you find more about Myra thanks for joining me so i ask everybody the same starter question which is did you have horses when you were a child well we i actually saved all my money up cuz i wanted a horse so bad cuz our neighbors had horses they were like pseudo grandparents when they'd all get together on monday nights um, in the summer and ride and have, you know, caramel rolls she'd make. And it was just a great family and um, neighbor time. And so I saved up my money and spent $40 on a little Palomino Colt and had some health issues, but I thought I was determined I could doctor it up. And unfortunately, my little Colt didn't make it. Um, so that was devastating, but uh, we didn't have- And how, how old were you? How old I, were you? No, I, it was funny. I have to say around fourth, fifth grade. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I was about sixth grade. And the first time a horse I wanted yeah. died, oh, it's devastating. It really rips your heart out. It, it was because I tried everything, yeah. you know, and um, so I didn't get to really have a horse of my own. It, you know, it was hard times. And so we, you know, money wasn't that easy mm -hmm. to get. And so I got to ride my neighbor's horses and I said, someday, someday I'm going to have one. Someday. And it took me <laughs> through my doctoral program. So I was probably 36 before I really had my first quarter horse and we've had them ever since. So. Nice, nice. And on your site, there's a little story of each of your horses and they're all so beautiful. You have several sorrels and palominos and so a beautiful herd. And I added up some of the math on yours and much like mine, you have a mature herd, a herd that is you yes, know, not do. a bunch of colts and stuff, which is so good. When we're working with clients, their wisdom really shows when they're just a little bit older, yeah. pretty wise. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So you have had a quest for education, much like I have, your whole personal life, not as a teacher, but your own education. Walk me through what you did to position yourself today in your education. Yeah. I mean, I've always been a lifelong learner. I, I get a challenge out of that. I started teaching. I was really curious about um, kids and the emotional development and how they function. So I started out teaching emotional behavior disorder high school boys. And they taught me quite a bit at 22 years old and they're 16, 17. So I got to, you know, learn by fire right there. But did that. And I agree. That's a, a challenging age right there for sure. Yes. 
And so I did that and I did it in public schools and lockup units. And so I worked with some um, kids who had been victimized, but also were perpetrators. And so that was another learning experience. So I was trying to give myself as much understanding of how kids tick, what happens and what's going on with them um, on multiple levels. And then I was so curious that I did school psychology. And so I did that with a lot of assessments. Again, not so much for numbers, but trying to figure out how kids learn, what's the best way. I know very, very curious about those type of things emotionally. How can I help them? So with that direction, worked at day treatments to help kids who had more emotional behavior issues going on. And then um, had the opportunity to, since I had my doctorate, go on to do um, be a licensed psychologist. And that was to help kids and help people. That wasn't my intent, to be honest. Um, just happened to work out that way. So then I did end up with private practice. I love the experiential stuff. So um, was a registered play therapist, you know, because I think words are awesome, but I think so much is hidden underneath that we don't know. And so doing sand tray therapy and play therapy really combined everything. And after doing that, I just thought, you know, there's in the Tata University for your bucket list. Because I just, I mean, that teaching part of my heart and helping people have always been part of me. And then it got to a point where I thought, you know, I love my horses. How can they partner? And I did. I looked at several programs, but yours is a program that stood out to me. It fit my belief. It fit what I believe about humankind. It was beautiful because I'm someone who believes you always need to keep working on yourself. Of course, being a lifelong learner. And that was a huge part of your program um, to make sure people are taking care of themselves so they can help other other people. And that's a huge belief in for me. So it, it was beautiful. So back in 14, I was able to be certified, well, certified in 2016 through your program. And so I've been doing that work with individuals and groups and also now doing more leadership training as a giant leadership coach. So it really has come full circle between blending my love for teaching and helping people learn from more of a cognitive head, because I think sometimes we are there in our healing journey and sometimes just being able to be and let go and not think. So it really is for me a combination of where that person is at the time they come to see me. And I, I live in both worlds. So it makes complete sense to me. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to break a lot of that down because you went through it pretty rapidly and there was a lot in there. So I'm going to unpack some of that for our listeners as well, but it's so much that I, I appreciate. So for your own personal journey in education, you finished high school and where'd you go to university? Undergraduate was in Augustana University in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And graduate work, yeah, okay. graduate work was at University of South Dakota in Vermilion for both my master's and my doctorate. And your doctorate too, nice. And your doctorate is in psych and counseling, psychology and counseling? Yeah, educational psychology and counseling right. with the emphasis right. on school psych. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so that led you into what you were speaking about, working a lot with kids and understanding kids and where they derail and why they derail and how to get them back on the rails yeah. and all of those kinds of things. And and uh, I know that I often say in Gestalt, we can do a lot to support teenagers, but Gestalt is more a reflective process for adults. So in your practice today, are you working with teens or are you working with the parents of teens? Like, how do you frame that? I would say um, in what I do now, if I'm going to work with teens or under, I choose to do more group work as compared to individual. Yeah. So it's going to be more group that's more of a, a specific topic. You know, it might be around loss. Mm -hmm. And then it combines that educational mm -hmm. and working with the horses. I work with several groups that have been 
um, like domestic violence and then sexual offense. I work on, we don't actually do the crisis yeah. work because I am no longer a licensed psychologist. I gave that up a couple of years ago. It just really wasn't where I was being led to be anymore. Right. And so we don't work on that, right. but we work on the piece that it's the next, it's the movement, right? After you start healing. So I do a lot of work. So that's where I would do more teenagers on those type of groups as compared to, so I work with more adults at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And uh, at least in my practice experience, a lot of the adults who are attempting to parent kids have their own background issues, their own uncovered, undiscovered places, what I call where lightning struck in their own childhood. And if sometimes if those things aren't understood, processed and worked through, they can carry on the family legacy of the same type of poor parenting. So I work with a lot of parents that are like, no, I did not like how I was parented. And I want to make darn sure I don't parent in the same way, but I don't know what normal is. I don't know what to look at or where to go. So I, I'm making an assumption here. You run into that a lot yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And I think, you know, when I was actually doing private practice in my clinic, um, it was a little bit easier to, bring the parents in to work with the kids. Um, what I'm finding is that when I'm with the horses, for me, I enjoy the group work with the kids because then I can bring up more, they can learn so much from each other. And then I sometimes will work with parents, mm-hmm. but I would say more so it's going to go the other route. And the parents, when I work with them, it's really on their own journey as compared to maybe a parent-child relationship is what it's um, turning to kind of into. Yeah, absolutely. Because their own journey affects the parenting bilaterally, you know, just, it just does as an outcome for it, for sure. So you moved to a place where you now have your indoor arena, your beautiful indoor, your home and all of that. And you're in an area with a lot of B and B's and such. I always encourage our listeners to choose the person they want to go work with, not as much by geographic location, but by what they're hearing. They might hear something in today's talk that they say, that's my person. That's somebody that would understand me or get me. And so clients can fly in to see Myra, stay in a local Airbnb, speaking to her ahead of time. She can create one trip with multiple pieces of work is what we call it in Gestalt. And you leave, leaving a whole lot of your own pain and your own suffering in the sand of her arena all done in privacy and and that, where would they fly into, Myra, if they were going to come see you? They usually do two choices. The biggest airport is Minneapolis, you know, and that's sure. about uh, about two hours away. And then some people fly into okay. Fargo, North Dakota, which is a little less, but that's another option. Oh, okay. And then Sioux Falls is a little yeah. bit further, but they were kind of in the middle of those. But I would say Minneapolis, Fargo is where they'd probably go to first. And once you get there, by the way, you're warm because she has a heated area in addition to her indoor. So you won't freeze. I know for those of us that aren't Minnesotan, we think of it as being so cold, but it's actually highly functional. Thousands and thousands of people live there every day. So don't let that stop you. Myra works year round. She's able to see you year round. And, and I'm sure you do some intake work even over Zoom to see what's what you create or what you craft for that individual. Absolutely. Yep. Hi, this is Melissa, and I wanted to give a special shout out to let you know that we are now taking applicants and signing contracts for our January 2024 
Touched by a Horse Equine Gestalt Coaching Program. This program is two years in length, highly comprehensive, a lot of fun, and you learn so much about yourself, about being in business for yourself, and about making a difference in the world for others. If you're interested, go to our website or reach out to our office in any way. We'll be glad to send you information on our Equine Gestalt Coaching Program. Thanks for listening. retreats. I want to make sure we cover that as well. Probably not winter retreats unless you guys go ice fishing or something, but probably next (laughs) spring and summer. Minnesota is probably one of the most beautiful states in the summertime that I can even think of. Every time I've been there, it's just gobsmacked me how green and beautiful that it is. So if you have a retreat coming up in the spring, walk us through what that means to go to a retreat that you've created and that you craft there. Like when do you usually start them? How many days are they? What happens? That kind of thing. What I'm looking at doing now, I've done them two different ways of of being like two and a half or three and a half day retreats. And so they'll either start Thursday night and go Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday afternoon, you're on your way by noon. Or sometimes we go Friday nights. It depends what's going on. But a lot of times on Thursday or the evening that they come, it's really a get to know because I think the people who come in, I would not say they're anxious, but they're, there's some energy going there and they just want to know who's there because they're coming to meet some people. They aren't sure it's a personal mm-hmm. journey, but where we're going. And so it's really a, a beautiful time to kind of just get together, sure. to know each other, to kind of set the stage of where we're going to go. And then they, they go and then they come on Friday morning. And we actually do some, what I call, you know, pieces of work, but we do some group stuff and some individual. I like to blend it. So it's not like a, a prescription that everybody, every retreats the same because I kind of look at who's coming, right? And what the reason is there. I look how they're mm-hmm. blended. You know, do, is it more conducive to some group work or do they like individual work? And I can kind of tailor it as I go as to what we do. But it's really important. We, in our place, we have 58 acres where I live. And the beauty of that is, you know, they get to be out here, but then there's nice spaces because we have some trails, some like 17 acres of wooded trails that sometimes I like to have people, once we do some things as a group, then we take a break and they can either choose to hang out with each other or they can just walk and be at peace because I think nature is so healing or spend some time with the horses just quiet on their own. And so that's the beauty of it, of when they're here and they'll go back and forth. And if they choose to, they can be with a group of people they can stay with, or they can sure do individual because up here where we are beautiful, it's a very big vacation spot. So there's lots to offer, lots of lakes. So, so much a state park is like five minutes from me. So I just really mm-hmm. encourage all that because I think that's part of the healing. It's not just, let's just go and let's just do it. It's a little bit, we breathe, we come back. And so I think I try to make it a, a nice flow that we can um, move forward And when it's possible for people, I always suggest they go into any of our practitioners retreats with a mindset of flying home late Monday, stay over in the geographic area, have private time to process what you've gone through at the retreat and, and really see the beauty of where some of these ranches are located because that's part of the experience. And there's usually some to journal about after you're done, you're getting to know yourself, you're getting to know the deeper parts of yourself. And if possible, that's your best way to do it because otherwise you go right back into an airport, right back into a crowded setting and, and you lose a little bit of what that, what is gained there. Not a lot, but a little bit. 
So that sounds beautiful. I love the hiking trail through the forest idea and having people be able to have private time and group time is a nice flexibility for sure. And every retreat is different. I don't know how you're operating yours, but are people, are they all eating together? Are they going to their B&B? Like, how do you operate that for your retreat? What I like to do is I always like to have people have options because, you know, some, so I like to, I guess, do, do both and then offer. Um, because I don't always know the reason, of course, why they're coming. You know, I, I hear the basic, but I don't know. And I, I really want to be valuable for each person. So what I will do is when they're here during the daytime, obviously, then we'll have, they'll have lunch and stuff as a group, right? And then they can still have time to go do their individuals if they want to before right. we start again. And then towards the evening, we always have an option of being able to do, um, We all maybe we're all going to get together and go eat somewhere together. I always at least throw it out as an option, knowing that some mm-hmm. people need to have private time after they process things or been through things. So it's that part is more about an offering a choice, which I yeah. think is important when you're on a retreat. The last thing we want people to do is feel really tight, tight in. So, so that's been working really well. Good, good. Yeah, I think, you know, I've done retreats now a, a terribly long period of time, 35 years of doing retreats. Mm-hmm. I do want to say to the listeners, if you've thought about going on a retreat, but what stops you is you're not sure about where you're going, who else is going to be there. You know, it's easy to scare ourselves out of something that is so beneficial. So I want to say a little bit about that, if I might. And that is that going alone to a retreat, let's say that you live in Ohio and you decide to go to Myra's retreat and you think to yourself, I'm not going to know anybody that's there. You also think to yourself, nobody there is going to know who I am. There's privacy in that. There's a grace in that. There's a way to be able to really be yourself and drop everything else. No one has added expectations of you. They don't know what you do for a living. They don't know if your marriage is on or off the rocks. I mean, you have a lot of privacy going to a retreat where no one knows who you are. And, and that's, there's a huge benefit in that. And I want to make sure our listeners really understand that. That's why people choose a retreat and go on their own. It's also kind of a challenge of your own courage. And I'm, I'm always saying to the students, courage comes before confidence. So stepping out into something like that, a retreat like that with someone as well educated as Myra, as experienced as Myra is, you will definitely be able to share and look at anything inside of yourself that you want to. And what I know about this process that our graduates do is they don't take you anywhere you don't want to go. So it's not a forced thing at all. It's a personal contract between you and Myra. Myra sizes up where you are, how deep you want to look, where you want to go. They are brilliant and she is uber brilliant at being able to not push you further than what you want to go but have you really take a serious look at your life and how it affects you today one of the common things people will say is well why would i want to go back and look at something i survived you know 25 years ago because you didn't fully survive it and that's why your brain tells you you survived it you went on with your life all of that is true however the triggers hide and they wait into the most inopportune time to flare up. 
Maybe you sat in a movie. Maybe you have a, a an odd dream and you wonder why. Maybe relationships aren't working out for you and you don't understand how they aren't working out. And this is, this is what happens with that unfinished business. It's insidious. It isn't out front going, oh yeah, I remember this happened to me. It's hidden, a little bit hidden. And Myra, uh, uh, from her own skills before she met me, and certainly after she met me, is very talented at bringing all of that out. So I just want to say that because I know some of our listeners may be thinking, wait a minute, Melissa, I'm going to jump on a plane, fly to Minnesota and work with this lady who I don't know. And I don't do these podcasts with people that I don't feel confident in and know that you would have the best of experiences. So please check out crossinglifesbridges.com. Now, Myra, I want to make sure we also speak about your new book. You just brought your new book out, and I want to I want to have you say a little bit about your book. Her book is available through Touch by Horse on our store and from my staff, also Amazon, also her directly, however you want to get it. And so speak a little bit about the book you wrote last year. Yeah, thank you. That was... Um... That was something that was always in the back of my mind, but I just never knew. People had told me, you need to do it, you need to do it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, I was getting my own way, right? So I understand these journeys because I'm human. I experience them all the time. And so yes. when I started writing, um, I found a, a person that I felt could help me move through that. Uh, my faith is very important to me. And so that ended up being a, a faith-based publishing company and got connected with them. And I tell you what, it ended up being a journey for myself where I pulled things together and it was so just like you're talking about these retreats, you know, when you come around and you kind of come full circle, it kind of did that for me. It wasn't meant to be that way initially, but mm. I know it's a lot of things that I've experienced. And that's why I think I help the people that I do is that, you know, we come at these transitions and I knew who I was as a kid and I ended up being very carefree, no big things were going fine. And then all of a sudden, now my personality plays into it, right? A little more driven. And then I felt like I had to do things. And so part of that carefree person kind of disappeared. And I needed to figure out a way to say, when we go through these transitions, how can we not lose ourselves? And I would say I probably lost myself somewhere in between there, not knowing it. And then we have to kind of uncover who that person is because the world tells us who we are, mm -hmm. or the people tells us who we are. And, and it might be going well because it was successful and it was working, but there was this empty, I don't want to say empty, um, I could feel something was not quite right. And so that's why I tell people, you know, that curiosity, please have the curiosity. If, if something doesn't feel right, don't ignore it. Pay attention to it. Doesn't mean something's wrong, but definitely means that, hey, let's knock at this door and let's open it and see what's there. And so we, you know, I worked that curiosity because then that we have to turn on that kind of yeah. connects. This book is really talking about navigating transitions and we transitioned all the time, every season of our life, we transition. I mean, relationships, jobs, you name it. So it's really mm -hmm. part of life. And how mm -hmm. are we walking that walk? And are we taking the best care of ourselves so we can keep going? And so I, I just really yeah. like when I put things together, it's like, it's almost like a process, a journey that I believe in. And it's so fully me. I'm a person who does um kind of bit by bit. And I kind of have that in the tag. I don't take big jumps. People might not, they don't see it that way. But for me, it's again, whichever journey you're on, is your journey, right? And so to give yourself the grace and compassion to walk the walk, to cross the bridges that you're doing. And, and so my book, of course, was called Crossing Life's Bridges. Yeah. And I'm like, it was like navigating transitions and creating shifts bit by bit. And I went, 
ah, I couldn't come up with another title. I'm like, I didn't want to name it after my business, but I'm going to tell you what, I, I really thought about and prayed about my business name for a long time. And that has very much purpose as who I am. The book does. So it really kind of, I just needed to go with it. What a great way for people to get to know you before they come to a retreat or before they interact with you in any way is to read that book. Absolutely. And it's very, very beautifully written. I watched you walk through one of the transitions in your life that's a very hard one for a lot of, especially women, I think all parents, but I watched you navigate through because when you came into my program, all three of your sons left for college. She has three handsome grown sons with their own families now, but they all left for college, all three of those turkeys within like a, a, a month's period of time. Talk about empty nest. It was like poof, poof, poof. And they all went great places and it was all joy and it was all happiness and it was all instant uh, empty nest. <laughs> so I watched how you navigated through that. And it's been beautiful to watch your family photos and watch your family expand and and develop. But you've walked your talk right under my nose and you did a beautiful job of that. Being real when it hurt and being honest when there were things to say and, you know, letting them know how pleased you and your husband were for how they were navigating their lives and crossing their life's bridges and to make sure that bridge home was always open. So uh, always in there. You mentioned really quickly before we go that a lot of your work is very faith-based and I know that about you. So will you say a little bit about that? Because I want our listeners also to understand that about, about you as a person and also in your work. Yeah. Um, you know, my faith is very important to me, my relationship with God. But what I do know is I believe everybody, everybody's been given gifts and many times we just don't see them. We haven't been shown them. And so, you know, I think my love is, especially when I did therapy, there were so many people that I had the honor of working with that truly questioned God. And I do not push any concept or belief on anybody. It's just how I, where it comes from for me, because so many people have had things happen and they do question. And so my, I believe my role is honestly to plant a seed as a human being of love, care, and compassion. Where their journey goes with their faith is not my call. But they know I don't hide that. It is part of who, where I come from. And so that journey is that I believe that every human being has gifts that they were given. And my hope and prayer is that they can identify, and there's, I think it's a process, to identify the gifts, to embrace them. Because sometimes we don't give ourselves credit. We think it's just, well, everybody right. has it. Or we minimize, and that's what I did many times, minimize or told that we shouldn't talk about them. Mm-hmm. And then truly mm-hmm. utilize those gifts. Because when you take care of yourself, you can serve others. And I just really believe no matter what our age or season, our our gift, and that's why I said, I don't think I'll ever retire. <laughs> I will because <laughs> I believe I'm supposed to you know, serve others in a healthy way, challenge yep. them healthy and, and, and serve them healthy and support them in a way until I'm not breathing. And so that's very much where I come from. And I want people to be able to be able to look in the mirror and be able to see that because they have so much to offer, no matter what they've done, where they've come from, what they do, their season of life. And so that's very much where the faith comes from is that I know it's in there. And I'm really hoping that you see it. Yeah, that's why I wanted you to mention a little bit further, because I think in today's world, when we hear a practitioner is faith-based, 
some people might say, oh, well, then I better make sure what she thinks about and believes is the same as what I think about and believe. And I'm much like you. I have a deep spiritual life myself, but I have no judgment or, or even pull toward convincing anybody to believe anything. I want them to feel safe to follow their own pathway. So I love that, Myra. And I want to make sure everybody did understand that and didn't misunderstand that about you, because I know that's a big part yep. of your walk as it is a big part of my so I want to thank Hope Through Horses for being a partial sponsor of our podcast. We're very grateful to them and very happy that they're able to sponsor our podcast in a, in a very nice way. And I want to thank you, Myra, so much for coming on today. Is there anything else you want my listeners to know or to understand today? Well, I, you know, I think my whole belief and my hope with people is that no matter what journey you're on, you're not walking the path alone. There's multiple people who can help you. And if it's something that you feel like, you know, you want to get away and, and you can resonate with some of the things I'm talking about, gosh, by all means, you're always welcome here. But go, go somewhere. Don't think you ever have to walk this journey alone. I think that's my biggest thing, even when I was doing therapy. Yeah, I um, agree. I will refer you if I'm not the right person. I guarantee I'll refer you and find you someone who can. Crossing life's bridges, and you don't have to cross those bridges alone. I agree. Absolutely. Thank you, Myra. I also want to mention that we are in our uh, application phase for our January Equine Gestalt coaching class that begins January 8th. If you have an interest in becoming a practitioner working alongside your horses in order to make a difference in other people's lives, we would welcome your application into the program and be looking to start January 8th. Myra, thank you so much. And thank you to all of our listeners. I'll see you again really soon. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Touched by a Horse podcast. If you'd like more information about anything we've talked about on the show today or our certification program, please visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com. That's touchedbyahorse.com. Or contact our office by phone at 303-440-7125. Also, be sure to keep up with us on social media. We're at Touched by a Horse on both Facebook and Instagram. See you around the barn and on the next episode.